0: Welcome to the Today's Market Explained podcast. I am your host, Brian Castle, and with me as always is the amazing co-host, Chris Reardon. Chris is the director of development, and I'm the CEO and founder of Four Star Wealth Advisors. Our promise with this show is to share the most important investment opportunities that we are seeing in ways that are easy to understand and hopefully even easier for you to benefit from so you can make money quickly and easily by investing. Each episode will detail the most important important market updates and how best to benefit from them and we will also be interviewing subject matter experts who can give insights into new and exciting markets and other investment opportunities so to maximize every episode's value please go to todaysmarketexplained.com to download quote 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals unquote trust us this free gift will be your cheat sheet for reaching your financial goals in the shortest possible time and to see all the best and most valuable moments from this episode, please go to Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Now, let's see what's happening in the financial markets.
1: Welcome, everybody, back to the podcast for Four Star. Uh, This is a very special episode. This is our 100th episode, and we'll have a special guest on. uh, We'll have some other things to talk about. But uh, when we started this, Chris, we never thought we'd be at 100 uh,
2: episodes. And uh, and here we are. Chris Beard, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, it seemed uh, I mean I was, wasn't even thinking about you know being in the hundreds or the triple digits or anything. So it's, uh, it seems a bit crazy now, but uh, you know you just kind of keep going through it, and this is where we're at. It's crazy. Well, and and
1: and that's what we'll start out with today. Uh, we will begin our podcast now. I'm Brian Castle. I'm your I'm your host of the podcast, the chief investment officer of and chief CEO of Four Star Wealth. Uh, and uh, Chris Reardon, our director of development, uh, and, uh, and everything important at Four Star. Chris Reardon, <laughs> welcome to the. Thank you, Brian. Uh, excellent. Well, good. We have a lot to talk about today on a hundredth, hundredth uh, episode. Chris, let's talk about what's. Um, we've had a crazy economy, and the markets are kind of gyrating, but now they hit new highs. Chris, what are, what are the what's the positioning between? Uh, the different markets? What's our tally scores today?
2: Yeah. Um, so since the last podcast, and, and some of these may, I guess, surprise, like you said, Brian, uh, we have kind of hitting new highs, but uh, domestic equities is still the number one, no surprise there, but it actually lost four points from the last podcast. So we are seeing that slow slightly. Um, and what's gaining, what will really gain from it is commodities. So commodities is in the number two position. Uh, it gained five from the last podcast. Uh, so domestic lost four, commodities gained five. It's at 268. Uh, domestic equities and number one is at 315 tally points. Um, the biggest gainer in commodities is definitely oil, um, which we'll talk about, but oils hitting all time highs as well. Uh, and you still have industrial metals, some agricultural uh, products, and, and other commodities that are, are doing well right now. Um, international equities is in the number three position. It lost two from the last podcast, so it's at 236. So it continues to weaken slightly. I think real where you've seen that significant weakness is out of um the Asia Pacific, specifically China. Uh they've had trouble. Uh there's been, we talked about it, I think, on the last podcast, especially from the real estate side over there. There's a lot of um volatility. You know, fixed income in the number four position, it gained one point, uh, pretty much a non factor. Cash in the fifth position uh, lost two points. So it's at 95 from the last podcast. And then currencies is still in last. It gained one point and 50. So still really a a game of the top three versus bottom three. Bottom three are are by far none. So far below, they're really a non-factor, the top three. Uh, But we are starting to see commodities pull away a little bit, which is interesting. So we are starting to see commodities uh, diverge away from international equities. Uh, and you know if domestic equities continues to weaken, it still has whatever ways to go. But um, you know if we continue to see these trends, we there's the potential that commodities would overtake domestic equities. Uh, like I said, it's still a ways away for that to even happen. Uh, but you know as the trends are going, that would be a possibility.
1: And That has only happened once in the last uh, last fifteen years, and it happened for two months in twenty fifteen when commodities were ranked number one, and they quickly faded.
2: Yeah, I think it was around Brexit, and I think that even had to do with gold. Um, you had a lot of—I uh, was like a two-two month period where you had gold skyrocket because Brexit was happening, and you, no one knew kind of where to be, and they were afraid uh, currencies were going to plummet. So um, I think that was the only time. Um, and and I feel like if that does happen, it, the probability of it being short-lived, I think, is uh, potentially high, just because I think domestic equities are more stable. Um, you know, commodities still could trend well for a while, uh, no doubt there, but um, they're a little bit more volatile. They'll rise and they'll fall more consistently, whereas domestic equities tends to kind of hold that number one spot more consistent.
1: It does. Uh, commodities tend to, to be very spiky up and down. Yep, that's very true. Okay, well, thanks, Chris. So, so just talking about the markets, we're hitting new highs. We talked about the narrowing of performance of the individual components of the market. So we're seeing more and more money flow into certain commodity sectors. Uh, Technology is not ranked number one anymore. A lot of dividend names are doing better. So a lot of very different market than last year. And so different groups are trending, but um the bullish percent index is at 54%, which means only 54% of the stocks are in a bullish trend. That means 46% of stocks are in a bearish trend but yet we're hitting new highs. So how does that happen? That happens because the largest names in the index are dominating the index. And this is exactly where we were in the the 1999 period before the market crash. Now I'm not predicting a market crash. I'm just saying there's a narrowing in performance, but that can change. We've seen a narrowing in performance fan out into other areas of the market too, depending on how much money flows into the market. So um, that's what we're seeing right now. And so to outperform benchmarks, you have to be concentrated heavily in the areas of strength and avoid the areas of weakness. And that's what we've been trying to do. Um, we're also seeing a lot of very interesting changes in the, in the market and the economy, because again, once again, COVID. COVID is always still in our way. And uh, Southwest Airlines stock, Chris was down 6.5% on one day last week. Uh, and it was all about disruption of the flight. 27% of their flights were canceled. They blamed it on weather and the uh, regulator, but the reality is that there's, there's been a, essentially like a slow walkout, quiet walkout among the pilots. And now we're seeing it in more airlines. And then some airlines that like Delta backed away from their, from their mandate. Uh, they were going to have a vaccine mandate and they backed away. United has gone ahead with it and actually have let go a few hundred people originally, well, it was like 600 people. Now it's only a few hundred people, but um, you know, how far do we go with mandates, especially in an environment where it appears the virus is going away, but others are saying they want vaccine mandates. So it's really, the question is, is, is the vaccine mandates, is that affecting the economy now? And there's pretty good evidence, Chris, that it is. And we're seeing that in the play out in different stocks, especially the airline industry that's been rankled by
2: this. Well, and I think the airline industry is dealing with it kind of from two fronts because they had, you know, a year ago, they had throttled back a lot of the routes and now they're trying to bring more online. So they're dealing with a less staff because staff are walking out or, you know, staff aren't aren't getting vaccinated or whatever. So you're dealing with less staff on that side, but they want to bring more flights out. So you're kind of dealing with this, have them having to cancel flights because they thought they'd have staff here and stuff. So that that's what led to a lot of the cancellations. They almost over-promised. They thought there'd be more people there. They thought they'd have the capacity. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're definitely seeing, I think the airlines are getting hit the hardest because they're trying to kind of renormalize. You have people that want to travel now and you're having a lot of people that are traveling. Um, and so they're trying to take advantage of that. Uh, but you know, with the staffing issues they're running into, um, it's certainly just like we're seeing even just from the general uh, supply side, uh, for for items for goods, uh we're seeing that from staffing with with airlines. So it's kind of getting crippled from that that standpoint.
1: In in other industries to a lesser extent or, or less profile, airline industry very high profile. There's a lot of people are trying to travel again. Uh, as as we as we tape this podcast, I'm in Cancun, Mexico, and we just took an airplane flight down to Mexico. So people are starting to travel again. Uh, that's why it's becoming a very big deal. Mm-hmm. So Chris, let's turn to the economic numbers. I know you have a lot of those.
2: Yeah, so um, uh, there's a good amount of data that came out. Uh, so the U.S. economy uh, created 194 jobs in September, so the jobs came out. Uh, that was well below expectations, so we've usually seen it clipping at a much higher number, and that's the smallest game we've seen since 2020. So we're hoping to see that accelerate. We've talked about this. We we did see um, some of the uh, unemployment benefits, uh, the federal benefits come off, uh, coming out of early September. So Hopefully, we'll see that number bounce back, uh, but ha- the preliminary numbers haven't really seen that yet. Um, so we added th- just to give you an example, we had 366,000 in August, so it was a- almost half. Uh, the numbers were added in September from August, uh, but despite the slowdown in hiring, unemployment actually fell to 4.8% uh, in September from 5.2% in August. And um, you can we talked about this before, but you know the reason for that is you had um, several people who just exited the labor force. You know, they previously had their hands per se raised. As as they were, yeah, they yeah. were looking for a job. They wanted to find a job, and they they just said, you know, I'm not looking for a job anymore. So I'm out yeah. of the labor force. Uh, so we did see the unemployment fall, even though we added less jobs uh, than expected. Well, that so means
1: was- discouraged, or they have decided that they like working for for benefits from the government, so they don't want to they don't want to work anymore.
2: Yeah, and we'll see how how long that lasts. I know, like we said, since we've had those benefits have kind of returned or been more normalized, returned to normal, um, we'll see if that changes. Uh, Additionally, we saw the consumer price uh, index, it rose 5.4% in September year over year. Uh, That's a little bit faster than economists were forecasting, uh, but that marks the fifth consecutive month uh, that the measure was above 5% or more. Uh, so this brings, I think, into question um, inflation. I think that, you know, if we've had five consecutive months of 5%, I think that that really, I think, is a hard thing to disprove. Are, are we still transitory or is this just flat out inflation? And we've talked about this. Um, you know, I think this puts more prudence on the fact that this is probably inflation and we're starting to see really inflation uh, rear its head in several different ways now. Um, one being oil. Um, then you have the restriction of goods, so you have commodities. Uh, prices are rising, so there's a lot of factors playing into it. But um, consumer prices continue to rise, and they continue continue to rise at a, as, at an elevated pace. Yes. Um, on the so, consumer spending is another thing that picked up in August. So that was good to see. Um, personal outlays on goods and services rose 0.8% in August from um, uh, July. Uh, so. Before that, we saw a 0.1% decrease in July. The last time we talked about this number, it was the July number that came out. Uh, so it's good to see that re- rebounded. And that's one of the things that um, is gonna be really important. You know, As we have um, this kind of hopefully economic resurgence, we need people to go out, we need people spending, we need kind of the economy to kind of be running on all cylinders there. So. Um, another positive aspect, personal income increased 0.2% in August. So uh, really good signs from that aspect. And it's good that we saw consumer spending pick back up. Uh, we also saw durable goods orders increased 1.8% in August from July. Uh, that beat expectations, expectations were 0.6%. Um, the biggest, the biggest uh, effect on that was transportation equipment. That was up 5.5% from July. So the, that was a huge contributor to that jump there. Uh, but that's good. You know, you only see people investing in durable goods, companies investing in durable goods when they're confident that, you know, the next two to three years are going to be positive. You know, they wouldn't they wouldn't invest in this if if they didn't foresee uh, positive returns over the next couple of years. So I think that's positive. We're starting to see uh, companies bounce back. Companies want to hire um, really good news there. Uh, and yeah. then the, the last thing I'll point to is um, the National Home Price Index. And we've talked about this as well. It rose 19.7% year over year. Uh, so it continues to bump up. It was 18.7% the last podcast we did. Uh, so it was up almost another up another 1% um, year over year in July from June. Um, and it, once again, is setting the annual uh, price growth the highest. Um, but some of the interesting things we're starting to see there is Um, we're starting to see more and more banks either reject a lending offers due to appraisals. So so appraisals are coming in, you know, as as, um, buyers go out, they they agree upon a price, Uh, they go to their bank, the bank gets an appraisal on the home. And if that appraisal comes in less than what they agreed to purchase the house for, uh, the bank will either want them to put more money down or they'll have to go and renegotiate. So we're starting to see this extremely hot real estate market uh, possibly slow down a little bit as banks struggle to keep up with this fast paced uh, real estate market. So it'll be interesting to see if the banks either, um, you know, develop a new method to get, you know, either more recent appraisals or, or more uh, accurate appraisals, or if it just kind of slowly starts to uh, slow down some of the uh, real estate markets where you have buyers. Well,
1: and, and, and real estate uh, appraisal was one of the reasons why we had a big uh crash in the real estate market because there was no regulation about appraisal so appraisals were being essentially made up in the 2006 to 2008 period and then all of a sudden the prices were too high and everything went down and <laughs> so uh, I, I i like to say that the real estate appraisal was one of the original dark arts and it seemed to be for a period of years there it was and now they've, they've created a whole series of regulations around it to hopefully keep that from happening but uh but home prices are hitting records, but now there's financing issues, Chris, as you say, so maybe it won't continue to run as much as it has. Right. Um, Excellent. Thank Great report, Chris. So, um, you know, we're, we just issued a a piece about inflation and we've been putting out pieces about inflation now for months and the fed had been saying that inflation is transitory uh, and we've been saying, we don't think so because it's been really affecting things quite a bit. Uh, The August inflation number year-over-year was 8% year-over-year, which is the highest level since August of 1981. And so that doesn't sound transitory to me. Now, there actually are parts of the economy that um, are not not inflating in price, but certain aspects of it are, but overall inflation has been high. And uh, the definition of transitory is one year or more. And so if we had a year-over-year number, that's a record of that's not transitory. So about what about a month ago, the Fed came out finally and Jerome Powell, the chairman said, yes, that's right. It's not, it's no longer, we're worried now, it's no longer transitory after months and months and months of denying it. So the piece we put out is inflation is all the rage. Now you tell us. And that was in episode five on the four star website and the leadership matrix blog. So have a look at that. Uh, Mission meat, fish and poultry and eggs up 10% year over year. Uh, Gas prices are up 40%. Of course, my favorite is bacon up 13%. So, um, you know, everyone's paying more for a lot of things. Um, the White House Chief of Staff had said that inflation is a high class problem. And the reality is, is it's not. Uh, anyone who tries to buy gas to move from place to place in their car or tries to buy bacon or food, I think every American has to buy bacon and food, or maybe they don't buy bacon, but they buy food. Um, those those numbers are higher and everybody gets hurt. In fact the lower and middle classes get hurt more than the wealthy uh, because of those inflation items. So inflation, Chris, is a big problem.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think, and, and one of the, how it impacts I think the market too is, um, you know, the Fed has been forecasting a potential uh, rate hike. Um, so, you know, as, as if they do raise interest rates uh, that will certainly make lending will certainly make cash essentially uh, more expensive. And so that's one of the ways they can, Throttle back the economy, if you will. If you don't have as much cheap money flowing around, uh, certainly it you know it gets harder. You need more return. So that is one one aspect uh, that'll be interesting to see if they do. Um, I think they're they're forecasting a couple of rate hikes possibly in twenty twenty two, and then even more in twenty twenty three. So uh, inflation certainly could have a major impact on the markets and the U.S. economy.
1: Yes. Well, now we talked before about the fears of the, the vaccination mandates. Uh, could affect the economy. So, we're seeing wide divergences in policy descriptions and what com- countries, I'm sorry, what states are going to do. And, and last year we saw the same thing. So, certain states shut completely down and certain states did not. And we didn't see much difference between the st- states that shut down and the ones that didn't. So, you might call the ones that shut down policy failure, meaning they probably didn't need to shut down uh, because everyone had ended up having about the same experience in COVID whether you shut down or not. So you didn't need to probably shut down. So I think that's one lesson I think we've learned last year. Now we're going to do vaccination mandates and require everyone to get vaccinated in different roles and going into different buildings. Uh, The governor, uh, the new governor of California, Kathy Hakul, uh, has decided that um, everyone invoking God, in fact, uh, to force vaccines, violating many Bible agreements, uh, as well, but she's bringing in foreign workers to replace American workers who uh, won't uh, get vaccinated in, in New York. Uh, so they're really taking extreme measures to push the vaccine mandates in certain states, and in other states they're not locking down at all, um, and not not vaccinating, mandating at all. And sure enough, um, you know, we'll see what the result of that would be. If there's any, the purpose is to avoid uh, the, the growth of this disease, COVID. And uh, last year we saw it didn't matter actually uh, if they had uh, locked down, but now they're gonna try vaccine mandates. So we'll see if that works. Um, it may or may not, but if, if not, it'd be a big policy failure. So we'll see, but we'll see how it affects either way. It's going to affect the economy, uh, and then they're gonna bring in foreign workers and things like that. So there's some pretty extreme things happening in the in the public policy world when it comes to uh, vaccines. So let's hope let's hope that our leaders get their act together and do the right thing.
2: Yep, I agree. I mean, I think that that's one of the uncertainties that's still out there. Um, you know, the market certainly wants to see certainty in that aspect. And, and I think it's something that's going to unravel over the next month, month or two. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I think obviously with this pandemic, there's been a lot of unknowns. A, you know, like you talked about, Brian, going back to whether to shut down or not shut down, and, and you know now we can evaluate that in hindsight um, and and kind of review the outcomes. Uh, and certainly with this vaccine mandate, there's going to be evaluations after the fact. So uh, I think it'll work itself out over the next couple months. But um, you know, it definitely creates a certain cloud of uncertainty over the markets in the short term.
1: Yeah, and there's a jobs gap. So so there's seven point six million people unemployed. And that's down from before because some of the people who were unemployed decided they're no longer looking for work, so that number is down a little bit. But then there's still 10.9 million jobs that are un- unfilled. So uh, since the stimulus programs in early September were canceled uh, just after Labor Day weekend, uh, a lot of those, a lot of that, that gap should narrow as people realize I got to get myself a job. And we did put out a, a podcast. Uh, message about four months ago that the best stimulus program is a job, and I think we'll stick by that one. Uh, so everyone can see that on TikTok or on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. But we talked about you know why having a job, paying taxes, being part of society is probably better for most people than getting a stimulus program. And so um, we'll see that that jobs gap will will um, narrow over time as more people come off the unemployment rolls and get some kind of a job. There's a mismatch in some jobs where they're highly skilled and there's no one to fill those jobs or something like that. But a lot of those jobs can be filled by people who are unemployed currently. Um, Now, what we're seeing is in Congress, we're seeing attempts to get a major spending bill through. And we talked about that, You know, spending bill was expected to be 3.5 trillion uh, and, and the justification, the predicate is that we need more spending for the stimulus. There's an opportunity here to remake the country based on the stimulus, but now there's a huge gap between uh, in, in you know, the money supply and the velocity of money. So money supply has gone right, way up as they've printed trillions of dollars and it's in the banks and it's in people's bank accounts, but yet the movement of that money has gone dramatically lower. So that would be the kind of indicator that would tell us that we probably don't need any more stimulus. And there's a lot of backlash. So the 3.5 trillion, which actually scored differently would be almost 5.5 trillion. Now they're talking below 2 trillion according to President Biden, but still nothing's decided as we have uh, Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kristen Sinema of Arizona who are, who are battling with their own party to try to keep them from doing big stimulus programs. And you know, it would the, the evidence, the math would say, we probably don't need any more stimulus at all.
2: So yeah. You think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, we have put so much to this. I mean, the pandemics through, I, I think the US and the world through a, a kind of a loop there. And I think we had a lot of extra spending, you know, that year. I think, you know, there's a lot of money that's been thrown out in the last year and a half. And to put more money out there, uh, I don't think it's necessarily the solution. There, There is money out there, it just needs to be put to work in the correct areas of the market. So, um, I think that you know, if we continue to, to do these stimuluses and spend more, uh, that inflation number is only going to get worse. I mean, if you continue to throw more and more money into the U.S. market, into circulation, um, it's just going to get worse. So uh, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. And I think that you know, it's one of those counterintuitive things. You would think, all right, stimulus is going to bump things up, but you know you can, you can get things to overheat, essentially, right, if you get things moving too quickly and if things overheat, Inflation starts really spiking, the Fed will have to really clamp down and money will, you know, get much more expensive, raise rates at an accelerated rate. And, um, you know, that's that will cause severe problems for the for the economy and market. Well, any,
1: any of the old timers listening to the podcast might remember when interest rates were in the double digits. I remember the 20 percent money market account I opened in 1980 in Lyons, Illinois, Lyons Federal Savings Bank. Of course, that bank didn't survive uh, or savings alone, I think it was. But nonetheless, uh, rates had to go much higher as Volcker tried to uh, choke off inflation. And we hope we don't get into a situation like that again. Um, But now the the other really good news, however, is that since even though the economy isn't completely operating at full strength, we still had um, in the last fiscal year the highest revenue level ever in America, so that means if the economy was growing at full strength it would be even higher over four trillion dollars in revenue uh and tax revenue came into the federal government so that's that's a sign that some of the programs that have not been changed like the tax programs and the, and the tariff programs that have not been changed are actually working so why would we mess that up why would we cripple that and the spending programs could actually cripple that it would slow the economy down uh and and the revenue productions for the country so now, one of the biggest problems, and Chris, I know you've been looking at this, is the shipping logjam, because there's so many dysfunctions in the economy. We've got how many ships off the port of Los
2: Angeles? Thousands. I mean, it's a, it's almost been for real. Some of the pictures um, you know they've taken of this this kind of the bay right outside you know Los Angeles. Of these ports are just you know clustered with ships everywhere. These large tanker ships uh, and cargo ships and uh, they, the Port of Los Angeles just announced actually last week that they're going to start operating 24 uh, seven, similar to the Port of Long Beach has been doing now for a couple months. Uh, and this is an attempt to free the backlog cargo ships, but um, I don't, you know, it's really hard to catch up once you kind of get backlogged like that. So I think it's gonna take them a while uh, to get caught up. I know the state of California has mulled over declaring a state of emergency uh, to try to get more funding to kind of push towards this. So, um, but I don't see it ending anytime soon. It's not gonna be, hey, we're gonna run 24/7 for a couple of weeks and it's gonna be caught up. It's gonna take um, months, if not even a year, years to, for this to really kind of unwind itself, which is pretty crazy. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's interesting
1: times. And we, you know, clearly we have a divide in our country and different uh, groups politically, but we want our leaders to do well. When, when, when America does well, we all do well. Uh, so we want to, we wish them all the best and we'll hope they figure this out. Uh, but right now there's a big divide and we're watching now a presentation about the January 6th riots. So there's very differing opinions about all that stuff. How that affects the economy is when we're not all together, we're not all working from the same sheet of music, they increase disruption in the economy. Uh, the American economic system is the most powerful in the world that continues to outperform everything else despite our attempts to mess it up, which we do a pretty good job of at times. Uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully the Congress figures it out, we get on the same page and start moving in the right direction. So um, what else do you have, Chris, today for the yep. podcast?
2: Yeah, a couple of things I kind of see out there. I think um, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, uh, they just lifted their benchmark rate uh, to 0.5% from 0.25%. Uh, so this is a, an early example of, you know, they're starting to raise rates to try to cut off inflation. Uh, and their inflation is specifically dealing with uh, higher oil prices being brought into New Zealand. So we're already starting to see some central banks um, or reserve banks of uh, um raise their interest rates for their currencies to kind of start to tame in and bring in some of the inflation they're seeing. Um, So we're seeing that out there. Uh, William Shatner became the oldest uh, person in space. He's actually 90 year year old. um, And obviously he's famous for portraying Captain Kirk on Star Trek. Uh, So Captain Kirk went to space in a blue origin rocket. Um, So that was pretty incredible. Uh, It seems like more and more now, uh, almost monthly, we're starting to see new information regarding whether it's SpaceX, Blue Origin, um, uh, was it uh, Virgin Galactic is the other big one. Uh, so it, it's kind of cool to see and it really harkens back to the space race, I think, as we're starting to see things heat up. Um, and then lastly, uh, today actually, uh, so this is uh, October 21st, Portillo's indicated that um, or it went public. So they're gonna go at $20 a share I believe they're set to open in the market at 28 bucks a share, so slightly up there. So uh, Portillo's is a famous fast food joint out of Chicago that they do hot dogs, they do um, sausages, they do kind of uh, Italian beef, you know, main staples of Chicago food. Uh, so uh, it's cool that they're going public now. Yeah, so Dick
1: Portillo from the west suburbs of Chicago opened with one store, kept the uh, expanding and expanding and the, the drive-through line uh, at Portillo's is is like an event where people go <laughs> there and they sit in line for an hour just waiting for their Portillo's hot dogs and uh, it's become a very big thing. So now Dick went public, right? Yep, exactly. I go public today. Good for Dick. Good for Dick. Well, good. Well, we're we're getting to the end here of our 100th, and 100th episode of the podcast. And for those who are watching in TikTok and they see the video, I'm wearing a maroon shirt from the University of Chicago, which is the maroons. And those of you who are following closely realize that the colors of four star are maroon and gray and white. Uh, there's, I think there's a coincidence here, right? It has probably the same colors as, as my alma mater, University of Chicago Booth School. And uh, so um, we're just finishing up the podcast. We have a special guest who is going to uh, make us a presentation. Would you like to join us here? Uh, hey, Brian, Chris, Dave, thanks for having me. This is Dave Gautreaux. Mm-hmm. Dave, Dave is an avid listener of the podcast and uh he's done a cameo before yes. on the beach on the diamond beach and diamond lake yeah so, so we're here in cancun New cancun so i figured i'd come off the beach wish you guys uh, uh congratulations on the podcast podcast and, uh, oh yeah a little, a little champagne for you a little champagne we're going to yeah. drink this later <laughs> of course later yeah we're not going to drink it now because we have to think about economics now
2: yeah. but, uh, that's yeah. a good milestone, also congratulations you and your team
1: excellent thank you very much. Thank and you. I'll continue to, uh, continue to listen to the next podcast especially on the bacon crisis. the big yeah bacon is a big deal bacon is a big deal. all right all hi right. well Chris uh, thanks Dave for being with us. Chris thanks uh, for being today here in the podcast. thanks everybody for listening and uh, look forward to next couple of episodes. we had an episode that came out talking about Nashville real estate. Nashville is a hot city. a lot going on that that's on the on the, on all on all the services. We did an interview with Mark Deutschman who's one of the leaders of the development of Nashville, which is now one of the hottest cities in in America. And then we're also going to have an interview coming out with Dunn Capital Management about managing commodities and futures and all those really fun things that most people don't really invest in, but now it's maybe time to do that. So that episode will be coming out as well. That'll be Chris episode number 101. So anyway, um, thanks, Chris. Why don't we leave it there, huh? Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thanks for being with us today on the hundredth episode of the four star podcast and have a great week and we'll be back very soon.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about maximizing your stock market returns with the least amount of time and effort, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com and download our free guide on the 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals. If you felt any benefit from this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this with anyone you think will also find value and benefit from this. And please follow Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube to see all the short video clips covering the most valuable moments from today's episode. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to tell you everything we're seeing in the financial investment markets. This podcast is provided by Four Star Wealth Advisors for the general uh, public and general information purposes only. The information is not considered to be an offer to buy or sell any securities or investments. Investing involves the risk of loss and investors should be prepared to bear potential losses. Investments should only be made after thorough review with your investment advisor, considering all factors, including personal goals, needs, and risk tolerance. Four Star is an sec registered investment advisor maintains a principal business in the state of illinois the firm may only transact business in states in which its notice file or qualifies for a corresponding exemption from such requirements for information about four stars registration status and business operations please consult the firm's form adv disclosure documents the most recent versions of which are available on the sec's investment advisor public disclosure website at
2: www.advisorinfo.sec.gov